Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of The Host Show. I am your host, Jasper Rivers, and we release a new episode of this show every single Monday. And in these episodes, I interview Airbnb hosts from all around the world to share their stories and provide tips and tricks on how to get started and be successful as an Airbnb host. Now, this episode is brought to you by Legends X, our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program that's designed to help you skill your hosting business by getting yourself out of the daily operations. So that frees up your time so you can become the CEO of your business instead of the manager and really focus on those higher level tasks that move the needle and allow you to grow. So for more information about Legends X and how to join, visit strlegends.com X. Now let's dive into today's episode. Enjoy the show. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. What's up, everybody? Episode 542 of Get Paid for Your Pet. Today, my guest, his name is Alex Green. He's the founder of BMB Buyer which is a newsletter and platform where you can find existing short-term rental properties. And the topic for today is what are the pros and the cons of buying an existing short-term rental property that has a history as a short-term rental versus a a home that doesn't have a history as a short-term rental. That's what we're going to dive into. So Alex, excited to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I want to start off before we go deep into like the pros and the cons and what you're seeing in the markets, the trends and, and everything. I would love to for you to share your story of how did, how did you get into this? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of I started BNB Buyer about two years ago. And just for the background, BNB Buyer is a website where you can find short-term rentals for sale that have a rental history. And so I had the idea for it actually after my parents were in the process of buying a short-term rental. They were looking for a vacation property for themselves, mostly just to you know be able to enjoy and you know have family reunions at and do all those kinds of fun things. And when they were at an open house for a property, they got the little packet that the realtor gives you with all the details and everything. And in it was historical VRBO revenues. So they they weren't aware of it ahead of time, but when they got there, they saw that oh man, this property's been making how much for the last three years, you know, and that kind of gave them the confidence that, oh, wait a minute, this could actually make some money. They, it was in an area that's not as common for short-term rentals. It's Lake Norman, North Carolina. So they weren't really sure if that's a huge vacation destination. It's not like Myrtle Beach or anything. But they were able to see that this property actually has a pretty good history of making you know enough money to certainly cover the mortgage. And... So they went ahead and bought the property and they haven't really looked back since it's done. You know, they've been able to improve it and grow the bookings even higher. They were able to keep on the same management company, which helped them, you know, maintain the existing listing and all the reviews and future bookings and all kinds of stuff like that. And so after I saw them, them have so much success with that, I started looking into it for myself. You know, I'm, you know, not quite ready to pull the trigger on buying my own Airbnb or short term rental, but, you know, I was interested. You know, it's fun to look on Zillow and go and try and find all these different properties. And so I started just kind of doing that and saying, like, oh, well, maybe if a deal comes up, maybe I can make something work. Maybe I could get my dad to go in with me. And so I started, you know, looking across the country and, and different markets that I was interested in. Just trying to find properties and I started sending them the emails first. And then 
I figured, well, maybe there's some other people out there. Maybe this is something that I could kind of turn into a newsletter. Started the newsletter where I just said, you know, here, sign up. This is a website. It's free. You'll get all these properties I find. And I started sharing that in a couple of Facebook groups and it kind of took off from there. So that was kind of how it all got started. Nice. And how do, I mean, how did you, how do you find an existing short term rental on, on Zillow? Does it, does it have the history on yeah. the, the info? Yeah. So there's, there's not really a filter on Zillow. I guess if, if Zillow put in a filter, I might be out of business, but you know, that's where a lot of the research comes in. I have a virtual assistant that helps me out. So me and my virtual assistant go through, you know, hundreds of listings a week. We scan about 700 to a thousand listings a week, just trying to find ones that would be good candidates for short-term rentals and that have a, that seem like they have a short-term rental history. You know, the oftentimes there's something in the description that says, you know, cash cow or, three-year VRBO history or something like that. So we can just skim these descriptions and look for these keywords. And then when we find a property that, you know, might, that might have a short-term rental history, we contact the listing agent directly and we, you know, say, Hey, this is our thing. This is what we do. Would you be willing to share the rental numbers? We'll blast it out to this, num- this list of investors. And, you know, some portion of those people reply and say, yeah, that sounds great. Here's all, all the numbers. We input that into our database, which then puts it onto the website so that those numbers on our website are super easy. You can go to there, you can see exactly what the property is. For certain properties, we're able to get month by month or annual breakdowns. So that's one channel is kind of, you know, outbound, just kind of going out and trying to do research and finding properties. And I'd say, you know, maybe six, 60 to 70% of the properties on our website are just MLS properties that we've enriched the data and, you know, surfaced it. So it's super easy for our users to be able to see. And then, you know, the other 30% or 40% are inbound. So now that we've grown and we have a big investor list, a lot of people are, you know, coming to us and saying, Hey, you know, will you share my property? A lot of times it's, you know, people that aren't even sure they want to sell. They're just saying, you know, I, I'd be interested in selling if the price was right. I don't want to go through and, you know, contact an agent and put it on the market and go through all the steps of that. That might even disrupt my business, you know? They might say like, oh, I'm just interested. Here's the link to the Airbnb. We'll import all the pictures from there. And then I share that with my investors. So a lot of people are interested in doing it that way too. So kind of twofold. Some of it's outbound, some of it's inbound. Right. Got it. So let's talk a little bit about like what's what, what's the advantage of buying an existing short-term rental versus buying a home that has not been a short-term rental in the past? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, what most people do kind of in the traditional sense is, you know, you either work with a local realtor, you just go on Zillow and you say, you know, Hey, I'm looking in Myrtle Beach or I'm looking in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm trying to find property. These are my criteria, certain price, certain bedroom count, that kind of thing. And then, you know, you go to AirDNA or Rabu or Mash Pfizer or one of these other tools to get projections, right? And so you say, I think this property could do this much money based on an average daily rate of similar properties in the area and an average occupancy rate. And you kind of extrapolate from there and you come up with like a reasonable estimate, but you don't necessarily have a ton of confidence in that. So the first key advantage is, you know, if you're buying a property that has done, like my parents, they said it's done, you know, whatever it was, I think $80,000 a year for the last three years, they had a lot more confidence in that than, you know, looking at an average daily rate and extrapolating and trying to estimate that. So kind of gives you a good baseline understanding on like, yes, this is, there's a lot of confidence in this number. And what a lot of people do is they kind of cross-reference. So they say like AirDNA is saying this, you know, I can see that this property is actually doing this much. And then they can kind of say like, okay, that gives a gut check to the Airbnb number or the AirDNA number. Because there's a whole bunch of other things that, you know, you could actually improve that number if you made certain changes to, you know, add amenities or improve the listing or the photos or all kinds of things. So the first one is just kind of confidence in that baseline number. That's a pretty big one. The next one is, 
you know, not only does the property come fully furnished usually, which, you know, a lot of vacation homes do, that's pretty common for it to come fully furnished and turnkey, but it actually usually has future bookings. So like you could close on a property, you know, you could see it, you put an offer in close 30 days from now, 31 days from now on day one, you could have a guest checking in and that booking is probably already on the books. You know, a lot of these properties already have a significant amount of 2023 booked out just because it's been on the market for a while. There's a lot of repeat guests and all kinds of stuff like that. So not, it brings like a whole new meaning to the word turnkey. Not only do you have to worry about not worry about furnishing or anything like that, you also generally have bookings from day one. The other advantage that I kind of touched on was repeat guests. So this is something that we've seen particularly in my family's home is that certain families will come to the lake house, you know, every summer for a week. And it's just their tradition, right? And so just because there's a new owner, you know, most of the time they don't even realize that they're not going to stop that tradition and they're going to continue going. So you're able to kind of pick up on that repeat bookings. If you keep on the same property management company that was on before, you're usually able to keep the listing. So you keep all of the reviews that it's had, which usually is a good thing. You keep all the reviews, you keep, you know, all the ranking and the listings and the metadata that goes into the details on that platform. So that's another key advantage. And then, yeah, I mean, that's the main thing. So it's, you know, more confidence in the numbers, future bookings and repeat guests, and then, you know, maintaining that existing listing rather than having to start over from scratch. Yeah. I guess another advantage could be that typically these homes will have a short rental license. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That comes up. And again, that, you know, can vary from locality, you know, from different city and are handled at different ways. Some of those cities you have to reapply, which, you know, those can be less attractive for this approach specifically. But yeah, there's absolutely some cities that we see where it says, you know, this property already has a vacation rental license. You don't have to make any kind of judgments on whether or not you're going to be able to get that or how long it's going to take. You can, in some of those cities, you're able to transfer that over and, you know, be ready to go from day one. So Eric and I bought a property in Idlewild where we bought an existing short-term rental business with four cabins. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we bought this, like we bought the business, not just the property. So it comes with the website, it comes with, you know, like you mentioned, like the guest list, like like everything that's, that's included in the business, right? So I'm curious, like when you, when people buy like these single units, are you buying just a home or do people set it as a business? Yeah, it's there's a mix of both, right? Some people are going to sell are selling it more as a business. There's most of them I would say are kind of more traditionally like similar to buying a home on the MLS like you normally would for a primary residence or an investment property. But there are a number of people that, you know, have set up really good direct booking websites and have that that, you know, email list of past guests to hook up to. And, you know, we've seen, you know, some of them, but honestly, it's probably, you know, maybe 10% of the properties we see have some kind of setup like that. Although I will say that that adds a whole lot more value to, you know, being able to take over it and get, you get more out of that repeat purchases and everything like that. Do you think people, uh, when they listen to your site, because it's a short rental, like, do they charge a premium price for their properties? Yeah, that was so that's one thing I've tried to pinpoint. It's really hard because you know, you have to find like for like like there's so much variability in the prices based on the size and the location and all kinds of other things. I haven't been able to see a huge a significant difference between the properties that have a short-term rental history and the ones that don't. It doesn't seem like you usually pay that much of a premium. It, maybe there's a little bit of something there, but 
it's definitely not anything that's material where I can see, you know, two houses side by side in, you know, Gatlinburg, for example, there's a lot of these towns where it's like the same, it's a spec home, they're same floor plan, same everything. Typically I see them listed for about the same price. I have seen a couple here and there where it's someone who's trying to price it off of the revenue and it doesn't match any comps in the area. Those typically don't sell well, honestly. Sure. But those, those are not the, the norm. The norm is that these properties are usually valued based on comps in the area, just like a traditional real estate asset would be. So I'm just looking at your site, you know, just kind of looking at some of the properties and the, the relations between the price and the reported mm-hmm. income. And I see there's a, there's a pretty wide range. Like yep. some, I would say like the, the best properties I see have, you know, like I guess the ink when and the income is is gross, right? That's that's gross. Yep. Yeah. My norm- bookings, I imagine. Yep. It shows the gross, and then we have a calculator on there that's for premium members. But if you're a premium member on our site, you get access to a built-in calculator that throws in estimates, and then you can change those and stuff like that to get to the net, and the cash yeah. on cash return, and all that stuff. So I see, you know, just kind of cash on cash. I see the best properties seem to be around, like let's say. About fifteen ish percent is that is that what you see as well? Yeah, that I mean, it obviously depends on what interest rate you're putting in and the different expenses and stuff. It does vary a lot. I mean, I see a lot of properties where I usually look at it on like a average monthly to purchase price. You know, so like in traditional real estate, a lot of people talk about the one percent rule, where if you can get one percent of your rent, one percent of your purchase price in rent, that's generally a good long term rental. So I just look at it. On, to be similar to that, I see relatively similar things. Like I, I've seen some properties that come through and I'll put them on the website where it's, you know, point, you know, 0.3% or half a percent. But generally the properties that most people are interested in are the properties that are at, you know, one and a half percent or, you know, 1.2%. So that, that translates to, yeah, 15 to 20% of gross revenue to purchase price. Right. And that's mostly because there's a lot of different hosts. What I've found in, People on my website have different intentions with it. You know, people like my parents were really just looking for a home that they could enjoy and it would be a plus if it paid for itself. And then there's other people, like I'm sure a lot of your audience that are really interested in making, you know, building a business off of this and investing in properties that are going to cash flow a meaningful amount. Right. And so we, we put both of those on the website and there's a mix of both. So is there a disadvantage of buying an existing SDR versus a, a regular home? There's really not much. And you know, I mean, the the big, the only one I could maybe say is that there's not as many, right? So, you know, if you were to look at where, you know, we look at, we track over 100 cities. So, you know, there's over 100 cities on our website. We have normally somewhere between 100 and 200 listings at any given time that are active. If you looked at, you know, all of those cities, all of the listings that were open, you would see more properties. I mean, you would probably, we probably capture 1% or 2%, some, some very low amount of properties. So it kind of reduces your selection criteria and it may make it harder if you were looking specifically in like a niche market to be able to find something very specific, right? So you might have to wait a little bit longer for us to find something that actually has a rental history that we're able to share. That would be the only kind of. Yeah you know, disadvantage I could see. Otherwise, you know, some people look at the numbers and they say, these numbers aren't great, but for certain properties, some, some of the properties, yeah, they're not great. It's, you know, not a good property for buying as an investment, but there are other properties where, you know, the current 
the current hosts aren't treating it as a business, right? They're treating it as a vacation property. And so, you, you know, you can look at those numbers and see, you know, if you view the actual details, you can see that, oh, it's, it has, you know, 30% owner occupancy where they're blocking, you know, half of the, the busy season. So that's the other thing I could, I would kind of add to it is that sometimes the low number is because of high owner use. Right. And then for people that are premium user in your website, you, you'll be able to see all that booking data. Is it started booking data essentially? Yeah, it, it varies from property to property. You know, we, we don't have, you know, super low granularity for every property, but for several properties on there, we go down to like a monthly level. So you can see that, you know, in this month, there was like a random dip in the middle of the summer, that kind of thing. And then you can also contact the seller directly to, and get more details through that. So uh, I want to switch the topic a little bit. Like, one of the reasons I was interested in, in chatting with you is because you're spending all your day or your virtual assistant, like, you know, scoping through like Zillow and, and all those websites, yep. like you must have a pretty good idea of like what's happening in, in the real estate market in general. Right now. You know, what are the trends and, you know, where's the, where's the market at? And also mm-hmm. like, what are some of the top markets that you've seen? So I guess let's start with the, the overall market. Like, what are you seeing like in the last like 12 months? Like, where, where are we heading? Sure. So, I mean, we've, we've seen a pretty significant change over the last 12 months. I don't think that should come to a surprise to many people. You know, when I first started this and I was looking for properties, I was actually having a hard time getting a lot of realtors to be able to, I, to go through that whole loop of, I find the property, I reach out to the realtor, the realtor sends me the details and then I get it out and I send it out. I had a lot of times where I'd find a property, reach out to a realtor. They say we have six, six offers, you know, or something like that. And, or, you know, by the time they get it back to me, it goes pending. So nowadays it's actually a lot easier for me to find properties. And it's because I'm seeing properties are staying on the market a lot longer. They're not moving as quickly. There are less properties coming on too, I would say. You know, we, we were seeing a lot of properties come up. We haven't seen a significant increase in inventory yet. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I'd say is that prices are coming down a little bit, but not quite enough yet to offset the increase in interest rates. So, you know, back when interest rates were really low, it was pretty easy to find a deal that, you know, if we were talking back to that, you know, 1% monthly number, that would probably cash flow reasonably well. You know, you could get a 10, 15% cash on cash return on a normal interest rate back in, you know, a year ago. Nowadays, it's a lot harder with where interest rates are at, where you do kind of need to get to that, you know, one and a half percent on a monthly level or the 15 to 20% level to be able to see like a, a meaningful cash on cash return. So it's getting harder. We are finding them. You know, and part of the website, you can set your filters. You can set a requirement to say, I only want to see things that have a 15% minimum. But I have seen that it is actually getting a good bit harder to, to buy right now. I'm hopeful that, you know, over the next couple months, interest rates maybe will cool off a little bit. So we won't have that problem. Maybe more people will start to put more homes on the market. The other thing I'll say that's interesting to me is I haven't seen a huge drop off in the rental numbers that I'm seeing, right? So, Obviously, I look at annual, I look at monthly, and I compare like, like I've seen properties where I can see their numbers for December of 2021 and December of 2022 or October to October, right? And I look month year over year and I, I don't see a huge drop off in most properties. You know, there are, there are some where that happens, but for the most part, there's, it's not like, like, Airbnb Armageddon that I, you know, hear people talking about a lot. (laughs) Most of the properties I'm seeing, they're still doing, you know, solid numbers. There maybe is a slight dip from 2021. 2021 was a pretty good year for a lot of the properties, 
but it's not like this huge fall off where you know Airbnbs uh, bookings are going you know to zero. At least not yeah. yet. I haven't seen anything to indicate yeah. that. Well, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's something that we've been talking on the podcast. Like, there's yeah. a term called Airbnb bust or Airbnb bust or something that sure, uh, yeah. kind of is going viral. Yes, yeah. you know, my opinion is a little dramatic, but so it's interesting mm-hmm. to hear because that's what I see too. You know, in our student groups and you know, like AirDNA when we look at markets and stuff, like I see, I see definitely a, a slowdown, but it's not it's not super dramatic, and things have gone up pretty pretty fast in the last since COVID. Right. Yeah. So, you know, a little cool off is not, is, is not crazy if you can see that. So let me ask you this. Like you, you're saying like you see the prices come down a little bit, but it sounds like people are not really willing to drop the price too much. You know, maybe because, you know, maybe because they have a, a really good, really nice mortgage with a low percentage or something. Yeah. Not really, they don't have to, they're not on the water or something. Like they don't have yeah. to sell. Right. So they, they might hold on to those. To those hot, steeper prices for for a while is that is that what you're expecting? Yeah, I mean that's kind of conjecture on my part, but yes, I mean a lot of these properties I'm seeing they're they're making good money right to the point where you know they're they're like almost cash flowing or kind of barely cash flowing in today's numbers. But a lot of these these people have you know you know three or four percent interest rate mortgages on it, so their cash flow numbers are actually pretty strong, right? So it it would take you know some kind of external reason you know to make them want to actually sell but a lot of these hosts are looking at it and saying you know I'm still making really good money I don't necessarily want to lower my you know lower my sale price if I can just keep making this much money every month sure yeah no, that makes sense are there a lot of differences between markets cuz you're looking at 100 markets you're saying um, yeah, see a little. You see a little difference, a lot of difference between the markets, and what are what are some of the top markets, top performing markets that you see? Yeah, yeah. So, I would say one one of the differences within markets that I see is that premium that we talked about. You know, I said it's kind of hard to see if there's a premium on properties that have a short term rental history or not. What I've seen is that in certain markets that are traditional vacation rental markets like Destin, Gatlinburg, Myrtle Beach, you know, those kinds of places. You see it a little bit more where a property that two similar three bedroom, 2000 square foot properties, you know, one of them did a hundred thousand, one of them did 70,000. Those you might see a little bit of a difference in the sale price on those two homes in a place like Gatlinburg. But if you're out in kind of a less traditional vacation rental market, like potentially like Norman or, you know, we, we see them all over the place. Fredericksburg, Texas is kind of becoming a little bit more popular, but it's still a little bit niche. We see properties in areas that are not as commonly vacation rentals. We see that they're almost always valued just at the property value and what a traditional comp would be. So that's where we can generally see better deals. So one of the places that I've seen that is really good is Hot Springs, Arkansas. So that's actually one that most people aren't aware of. You know, everybody knows about Gatlinburg and Destin and stuff and like stuff like that. But it kind of makes sense. You know, it's driving distance to a lot of people in different cities. You know, there's not a ton of vacation in that area from what I can see. You know, so Hot Springs is a, a cool area. They've got lakes. They've got these Hot Springs National Park and everything. So that's actually a really interesting one because the homes there are, are relatively inexpensive. You know, a, a home that might be seven or eight hundred thousand dollars in Gatlinburg, similar home might be four to five hundred thousand dollars in Hot Springs, right? And still bringing in, you know, maybe eighty to a hundred thousand dollars just off the top of my head. That's kind of 
the differences between the markets. And then, yeah, Hot Springs is kind of my under-the-radar pick. Obviously, I do see a lot of properties in Gatlinburg also that do really well in all the other places. But you can check it out for yourself. You go to BNB Buyer, you can kind of filter by different cities and the region that you're interested in and see. You can sort on there by ROI, highest to lowest. You can see the best properties and all that stuff. And the sites, like I know you have a premium feature, but like just to see the properties, it's free, right? Yep, totally free. So it's actually free on both sides for buyers and for sellers. So if anyone who's listening is interested in kind of seeing, you know, what the market would, what would happen if they could sell for X, you know, if they're interested, you can list your property for free. We don't take a cut of the sale or anything like that, like a traditional realtor were, would. The only way we monetize is a little bit through sponsored posts and then also through a premium subscription. So on the buyer side, it's also free to look at properties. You sign up, you can sign up for the newsletter when you sign up and check a little box. And then we'll send you properties across the country. And then you can also set preferences to say, I'm looking for under $400,000 that has greater than a 15% return on investment, stuff like that. And then we'll send you emails for that. That's all totally free. And then there's a premium subscription upgrade where you get access to the calculator, you get contact information, you get the detailed revenue history, a couple of different features like that. But by and large, it's totally free to check it out and look at properties. A lot of people are interested in just kind of you know, learning about new markets. And so they go and they sign up and just say, you know, send me everything you got. I'm interested to, to learn about, you know, hot springs and all these other random places like that I maybe wouldn't have heard about through traditional news sources. Cool, man. Is there anything, anything you want to share that we haven't discussed yet that you think is important to, to share? Yeah, no, I mean, I, that's pretty much everything. The gist of it, you know, I'm just really interested in helping people find these different short-term rental properties. And I think that this is a great way to go about it, especially, you know, if you're relatively newer to the industry, it can be a good way to get a little bit more comfort to take that jump. And then also I have people who have 10 properties and they love this because it allows them to, you know, discover new markets that they weren't aware of. Awesome. And then your website's bnbbuyer.com. That's where I'm looking at it right now. You can see all the listings. You don't even have to create an account or anything, looks like. So, yep. yeah, if you're interested, go check it out, bnbbuyer.com. All right, Alex, well, thanks for joining and good luck with the site. Definitely cool to see this initiative. And yeah, all the, all the best with, with the project. Yeah, great. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And for the listeners, thanks for listening. We'll be back on Friday with another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. We'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. We really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you want to learn more about hosting on Airbnb and building a short-term rental business, then go ahead and subscribe to our daily email newsletter at getpaidforyourpad.com. And if you're just starting out on Airbnb, make sure to download our free Airbnb starter guide at getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash get started. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts for a chance to win lifetime access to the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy, our starter course for anybody who wants to start an Airbnb business. Every month we select one random reviewer and give that person access to the course. 
Um, so if you want to have a chance to win access to the course, uh, please leave us a review and then uh, you might uh, join our program pretty soon. So thank you for listening. Check back every Monday for a new episode of The Host Show and every Friday for an episode of SDR Conversations of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast. Get paid for your pad. Get 